Um, welcome, everyone. Hebrews 9, uh, 25 to uh, Hebrews 10, verse 4. And today we continue on with repeating or not repeating um, with what the difference was with the once and for all sacrifice versus uh, the Old Testament repetition of sacrifices and how there is a difference and how Christ alone um, is that very difference. So why don't we start <clears throat> with a word of prayer? Uh, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you uh, for your word this morning. Bless us, O Lord, uh, with the study of your word, uh, knowing full well that you have given to us uh, the one who uh, stands in our place, uh, the one who uh, sacrifices for us uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, O Lord, for Jesus and for the promise that you give uh, to us in your redemption. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, chapter uh, 9, verse 24, as we see, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies, right? Xerox copies of the true thing, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So we talked about, oh yeah, we talked about copies last week. We talked about original, and that original is... um, uh, our Lord and His Word, and that is ultimately Jesus Christ. Uh, but now, uh, as we continue on with the same vein of verse 24, uh, we see right here in verse 25, if someone could read that. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. All right, so nor was it, so that nor is connecting to also to verse 24 as well, right? Uh, that, um, that Christ, in verse 24, uh, not with made with human hands, but as true God, as true man. And also, verse 25, nor, right, was it to offer himself repeatedly. So do we, does, is that what Christ does? Does he offer himself repeatedly? And the answer is No. Right. So again, why is that obviously? Why is that pointing to Jesus? What does that say about Jesus? About non non repetition or or once and for all? Right. Uh, I like this pink. Anyways. Um. Hmm. Um, okay. All right. One and done. Once and for all. All right. Very good. Uh, but what does that say about Jesus? What does it? That he's sufficient. That he is the ultimate sacrifice. Complete. Yeah. Oh, completo. That's right. Um, yeah. Oh, not completo. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, um, sufficient. Complete. What else? How how do we disc- What does this mean? Oh, so fulfillment? No more waiting? Um, anything else? One and, one and done, what does that mean? Uh, deeper into the, um, the work of Christ, let's say? What does that mean? Oh, complete, right? But what is complete? He, he was the true perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's complete, right? Blood, Passover, 
Lamb. All right, good. Anyone else? Well, if you jump ahead just a little bit in Hebrews, it's going to talk about the um, sacrifices being an annual reminder of sin. This is not a reminder of Christ. This is the real thing. All right. Everything else was pointing to this and not just simply a reminder. Yeah, so, so what we say in our repetition, and we say... Uh, uh, when Jesus says in John 19, it is complete or perfect or uh, finished, uh, that means what at that very moment that uh, his work is finished, no longer needing of a repetition, and that means you sure, assuredly know that you have obtained by his work the forgiveness of your sins. Right? And this is what they were searching for in the Old Testament. Repetition would be like we have to do this over and over again because, well, we're sinners and, and we need to continue to repeat these sacrifices. When, in fact, when Jesus came in his work once and for all, uh, no need for repetition. This is where your forgiveness is by his work for you. Right? So when we talk about uh, the once and for all, what does it say about Jesus's Superiority. What does that say about his superiority? Obviously. Anyone? I think we touched on it with better than uh, the blood of goats and bulls, right? Uh, That his superiority is, um, yeah, above all things because he is God, right? Um, And and this is, uh, again, a picture of why the writer is showing the people, look, this is... This is the comparing of what you've always done, and now this is what Jesus has done, so you can rest assured that you're not wondering if your sins are forgiven enough, but you're actually forgiven of all your sins. And that is why uh, he is showing the people, this is why our Lord is superior, and that is why our faith is in Christ alone. Right? Um, We know this, right? Even today, we know the complete work of Christ, But what words do we say, or hypothetical, or real, or in our minds, or to our friends, what words do we say that sometimes make our relationship with God a a conditional one? Or what what do people say sometimes when it becomes a transaction, uh, a transactional relationship with God, or... Or let's say, you know, um, I know God did that, dot, dot, dot. Yes? Not in the Lutheran church, but... (laughs) No, even so, we're people too, you know. We're people. Well, many other people, there's there's always that feeling of another shoe needing to be dropped. That, well, Christ did this, and there's kind of an implied, but I still need... Dot dot dot, and that it's uh, that he's it's almost as though he's not sufficient. That there needs to be more that we do. And it is very, it's very subtle too. Does does that make? And, and that's the thing. That's why we need to always hear Christ alone all the time because it's very quiet the way to which we, because we're. I mean, this world that we live in. 
what, how are we taught in the world? Like, well, that's a loaded subject, but <laughs> we won't go there. What's up? What have you done for me lately? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the merits, it's the earning. And we're naturally system that way in our, I mean, everything's about, like, job. You know, climb up the corporate ladder. Is that what they say? I don't um, Or, or um, we tell our kids, oh, you got to get to that school. Um, we don't t- I don't say that, but I mean, I mean, I guess we could think that. Or a lot of people think that, like, we got to get to that school. Um, even high schools, you know, I know um, there's magnet schools, you know. Mag- you know what magnet schools are, but... Like, especially in Orange County, there's so many of them. And it's like, we need to go to that school. We need to go to that college. And we need to do this, like this, this, this. And you've got to work hard and you've got to earn it and all these things. And it's good to work hard. Don't, don't mind me here. But the, the point is, is that I think a lot of it flows over to our faith as well, whether we know it or not. Right? Um, and, and that's why this picture of Christ alone is very important because we know how subtle that plus one is or that remainder. There is a remainder um, from the numerator and the denominator. <laughs> I think that's what they're called. Uh, and, and there is a remainder. So we need to fill those remainders with our good works. And, and this is the thing. It's, it's only Christ. And we hear that this morning in our sermon um, about Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem and their deadness and sin, right? Um, so again, um, non-repetition, once for all, that means your death has been won and you are forgiven of your sins. And this is your faith. That is what he is trying. Because again, they knew this, but yet how easy it was to turn back to their old ways. And you know, in our flesh, as I look in the mirror, how easy it is, whether we say it or not, to say, well, you know, I'm not so bad of a person. I'm pretty good. That must mean something, right? Um, You know, I... I've tried my best to be holy, and I've never said that in that term, but we might think, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as them. You know, I'm, a good, I'm good people, so that must amount to something. And right there, we're just basically saying, cross, you're good and all, but I added to that, I think. And that's where the devil's got us, right? So this is very important, the, 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 the uniqueness of Christ alone. Right? Uh, this is our faith. And once we turn from that, it's, it's just like every other world religion, isn't it? Um, so any, anyways, here in our notes, uh, as the original Christ entered, oh, this is from our last week too, because I cut and paste from my last verse from last week. But Christ entered the heavenly place uh, through his once and for all sacrifice, his payment of blood. Um, that is the at-one-ment, atonement uh, with God through his work. And there... Uh, by his sacrifice, there is no need for repetition, right? It's done. Um, yeah, no need to press a reset button. Never. Uh, God has finished it uh, through Christ. All right, verse 26. Verse 26, so can read that. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away All right. So, repeatedly, verses once and for all, since the foundation of the world, this is what would have been done if if Jesus was like every other sacrifice in the world. That's what would have happened. But no, this is Jesus, and his is his work is unique, right? And that is of uh, the Good Friday and 
Easter Sunday, which is coming up very soon as we celebrate it April 17th already. So be on the lookout for that. But here we see, um, oh, I love this Luther quote in your notes, uh, if you read it uh, with me. Actually, if someone could read it for me, uh, that Luther quote right there in the, on the notes. All right, so do you know what's at stake? Right, I think uh, Luther really puts it good here about what's at stake when we think we need to add something to the work of Christ. It's blasphemous. I mean, do we think about it that way? Like, it's blasphemous that, like, like okay, Jesus died for me, Jesus rose for me, uh, uh, but, you know, cherry on top, right? I'll bring the cherry on top and put that on that Sunday and say, look, what a beautiful Sunday we have. S-U-N-D-A-E, not Sunday, A-Y. Are you a Sunday guy? Mm-hmm. Too sweet. I like ice cream, though, but just not the Sunday. Anyways, <laughs> I could do a Sunday if I had to, if someone forced me to eat one. I, I could, oh, I can eat one, definitely. Um, mm. Anyways, um, maybe today. Anyways, uh, no, I shouldn't. Anyways, um, oh, I shouldn't. Oh, I shouldn't. Um, I know um, Tina made these uh, butter bars yesterday. Mm. Dangerous. I mean, good for the soul, but dangerous for the body, right? Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we see right here, uh, again, uh, when we add something, this is what's happening. I mean, do you, do you know they deny God and insult the sacrifice that Christ has made and disgraced his blood because they try thereby to do what only Christ's blood can do. And that's what happens when that, we call it works, what do we call it? Works righteousness. That basically means we do the work to make ourselves right in front of God. And when we do that, we're basically saying what to the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. What are we saying to Jesus? It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And even further... Uh, what I do is just as good as what you do. Yes. And basically what we're saying to Jesus is all that excruciating pain that you've done, I don't really, I don't really need that. And that's, that's what's at stake here when it's plus one. And it's not just, and friends, it's not just, oh, do you believe in Jesus or not, Right? I mean, it is that, but in a sense where um, it is a subtlety of it, of that works righteousness that it's, it's a bit, the devil works in a very, he brings out his little, um, what are those eyedroppers? And he just puts a little ounce in there where it's barely detectable. And it's like, oh, you don't, don't worry, guys. You're, you know, it might be just a little detectable thing right there that you add in there. And the devil says, it's, not, it's no harm done, right? But then after a while, it becomes... I, 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 rather than Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. And that's the subtlety. So I always tell people, how do you know you're a Christian? And that's 
the answer to which they say usually indicates where their faith is, right? And again, that's the subtlety of, of what we're talking about here with, um, and I know Luther really brings out the sword here. He, he really does bring out the urgency of, of how what is at stake, like disgracing his blood, right? Blasphemous. I mean, this is not what we think when Dave Bovey hypothetically says, Actually, I really don't know what to say. But, uh, uh, but you, know, when, when we, you know, when we try to justify ourselves, even in the most subtlest of ways, and I'm not saying this is overt, like, I know you all will say, of course, it's Christ alone. But trust me, there are moments in life where your conscience says what? Well, you know, I, I've done pretty good. I, you know, I, I'm a good dad. I know um, yesterday, I know Anthony was, um, Tara was helping out with the... Uh, uh, funeral and Anthony was being a good dad at home doing the um yeah I know he was right <laughs> so uh trying hard work hard work hard work hard right but <laughs> but uh uh but we, we... that's right that's right that's right yes uh back back there yes Possibly you're being blasphemous in 
in having this kind of an attitude that, that your works are good and, and I think I think they're afraid to tell people that they're sinners. Yeah. Because they wouldn't want to come back. Don't tell me that I'm bad. People don't want to hear that. And so they go for the popular message, what people want to hear. And that's well, I, I think, but I, I think uh, not to. Um, well, you have 4,000 plus members, but how many of them actually are saved because they don't understand what they all They really don't have the message. Well, I think, I think, you know, in the broad spectrum of things, I think what you said about, and this could be said about, I think, anyone, even in, even in the Lutheran Church. It was a long week. (laughs) Am I here? (laughs) No, no, but I I think uh, as as sinners, I think uh, we can rest upon just, I think you said it, I was trying to listen carefully there just to get the big picture, but... uh, we could we base our Christianity on uh, those kind of things rather than the cross and the empty tomb. It's easy to do that. I, I think we, we understand how easy it is uh, to base our faith upon just kind of these, as I always call it, kind of like the hallmark hallmark way, the hallmarkian way of Christianity. Just like you go to the store, you, you, you look at the card, the cross, you know, you always look for the tab that has a cross on it, and you read it, I'm like... Wait, I don't, I don't know if this is a, this could be like anything, right? And there's a, you know, you make sure there is God there, but then what does that mean, right? So again, there is this pop culture Christianity that can, um, and it's, again, um, it's not just even in Lutheran circles, it can become because it is very attractive for the mind or the, the heart to say, well, this is what people want to hear. And trust me, it, it happens everywhere. And, and that's why this, you know, what, oh, pastor's going to preach about the gospel again, right? <laughs> oh, we know that. Oh, that's right. He's going to, oh, that's right. That, that, it, you know, again, not, I, we're, we have not gone that far in our Bible study today. But the point is, is that, you know, when we hear God's word, and even right now when I teach, uh, this is all uh, uh, for for the care of your soul. So, like, when you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't say, Tina, like, um, I might tell you. <laughs> like, in his mind, he's like, I'm not going to tell her about what's wrong with her, her physical body. I'm just going to smile and say, you're fine. Go on your way. You know, just take an over-the-counter pill and be done with it, right? <laughs> uh, no, the doc- I mean, the doctor, what's his job? The doctor is to give you, even if it's, he's not going to shy away from, because he wants to do what? He wants to get you better. He wants to give you healing, right? And, and that's why the church is here to be kind of like St. John the Baptist. Just give the radical words that this world will not give. And uh, that is where we stay. Because once we go by the way of the world, which many churches are doing in this world today, um, there is a risk. There's much at stake. I'm not, we, can't, we can't say and speculate only God knows who has faith and not, but if we're part of a, let's say, a church body that, or 
something of that sort uh, that is straying away from God's word, there is risk for that human individual. And that is very concerning uh, for anyone, right? And, and that's why I think, you know, this word is so important to hear and receive in what we do because um, there is nothing more than Jesus. I mean, our, our, the devil says, I already know that. Why not to hear it again? Oh, I, I, you know, I, no, I, okay, I know, Pat. Okay, yeah, okay, good news. I already know that. But really, this is, this is everything, uh, this, this word that we have, the sacrifice of Christ. So, Dave, yeah, before we just move on. Just a real quick one. Yeah. Remember what the Old Testament lesson for this morning was from Jeremiah. Yeah. Jeremiah was saying things that the king's officials didn't want to hear. Nope. And they were trying to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, in my, in my calling, I think uh, my human self says, oh, smile and be a shopkeeper. Right? My human self says, smile. You know, <laughs> customer service, great, right? Uh, but then I look at the word and say, no, you're here to tell them the truth. And uh, well, it's interesting when you think about it. Go back to the Old Testament. And the law was pretty strict, right? Some, very. In some parts of the law were very subtle. Yeah. And here, you got to give Luther credit for calling it out and blasphemy. There are levels of expectation that God has in terms of our faith. And it's, it's, it's not quite like the law, but it's like after the law, we could be almost too loose you know, in terms of our interpreta- interpretation and miss things like this you know, yeah. that are subtle. Well, on the other hand, we could just be like stones and yeah. say, well, you know, if Ruth was here, I, we'd rob a bank together, and um, that'd be fine yeah. because... <laughs> And I didn't bring that up in my sermon, by the way, <laughs> yesterday. I was about to. I don't know. People won't get it. And then it'll be like, what is he talking about? What do you mean Robin Banks? It'll be totally out of context for people who weren't from our church. Well, he talked to Keith, and he almost brought that up. <laughs> he, said, he thought that was too much of an insight. It was too much of an insight thing. So anyways, but, oh, I'm forgiven, and I'm just going to live and, and live loosely and live against God's word. and. And I'm fine. I'm a sinner, so what's the big deal? No, there is a struggle there with our old man and new man, new creation, right? Our old flesh and the new creation. But, uh, you know, there is that striving and praying that God would turn us from our sin, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, where does, it always, where does it always end up? Always in that gospel and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And that is the key here with, well, as we get back to this, um, to the repeated... Uh, uh, and no longer repetition that is needed with the sacrifice of Christ. So, um, good, good observations there, friends. And that's why, uh, you know, infant baptism is a big one. You could talk about that all day with someone because it really does really shine the light on where, on the view of someone, on their view of faith and what that really means. Infant baptism is always the one that is the dividing line for people. But it also shows where people's faith is on whether it's, let's say, as, as a, a genocide of choice or intellectual kind of thing or something I do rather than what faith is, and that is what God does for us as a gift, right? So 
again, uh, always a good conversation with people. I love having that conversation with people um, because it really does bring us to Christ. That's what it always does. Anyways, um, yeah, key superior. That's the thing. Like, we could add everything to that, but at the end of the day, he's superior. Like, we could try to, you know, plus one, plus two, plus three, but at the end of the day, where does it always end up? Christ, because he is superior. See, nothing is more superior than his work. And here we see it. That's what the writer's trying to say here. You know, nothing's new under the sun back then and now. It, it continues to be the constant tension of this world. So we see right here, verse 26, still. Uh, but as it is, <laughs> I mean, that's good. I mean, it's good that we talk. Um, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So that as it is, right? Um, and that is who Jesus is, uh, to save us from our sin and to release us from the grips of Satan and hell and of death. He sets us free. All right, uh, verse 27 and 28. So we could read that. Sure. Thank you. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting all right. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, right? That's right. So, um, yeah. So here we see in verse 28, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to, die, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So when we talk about death... Uh, there is that uh, one time that we die, right? For Jesus, of course. He doesn't, he doesn't die and sacrifice <laughs> continually and continually, right? This is once and for all. So just as man is appointed to die once, there is Jesus who dies once for the big death so that when we had that funeral service yesterday, it was one of great hope as we know that Ruth is dwelling in the paradise of our Lord, Right? Not in a dry, arid Joshua tree desert, right? but rather with God where there is no thirsting or hungering, where every tear is wiped away because of the death of Christ and the resurrection and, and what he had done. And that is uh, the second time, and that is his final return. That's our anticipation, right? We live in the now, but we wait for the not yet. We know right now we are children of God, redeemed by his blood, forgiven of our sins, but we're waiting for that final consummation, that fulfillment that is in his final last day return, right? That's what we're eagerly waiting for. But we're not waiting, wondering, number one, whether he is to come back or wondering whether we are forgiven of our sins or wondering whether we are Christian or our death has been answered for, but rather we are waiting with that fulfillment by the one sacrifice, that it is done, right? And that's the, the key to our faith. It's Jesus, right? Um, I know as a parent, I always catch myself, um, um, as a parent, my words to my children, because I know every word matters to your kids, and um, they do, even your actions. And I know uh, for young families... Do I, I'm still a young family, right, Anthony? It kind of, I'm on the cusp. I'm on the cusp <laughs> of the level up to an, I guess you call it, do they call it an old family? Young family after old, I don't even know what they call it after young family. 
They just call it family? Just a family, right? Uh, um, you always want to teach your children what this faith is all about because a lot of times it's, it, it can be misconstrued and misunderstood as immoral, just I have to be a good person or I have to go to church. Like I have to go to church just to get the gold star of his attendance in front of God. And, and a lot of people see church that way too. Like, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, I've been to church all my life. Well, what does that mean that you've been to church all your life? And for us Lutherans, it's, well, at church, I receive God's word. I receive his forgiveness and, and receive the gifts that Jesus promises from his once and for all sacrifices, death and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins. Um, this is what I've received, and that's why. But a lot of times it's, no, because I have a 99% attendance rate. That means something, right? I gave the Lord two hours of my time, my precious time out of all my week. That means something for God, right? Uh, we never say that out loud, of course. Whoever says that, but... I think subtly we, we say we did our time, right? Um, in, in so many ways, shapes, or forms. Oh, we did good. Um, anyways, um, so here we see uh, that eager awaitment in the midst of the once and for all sacrifice. Right? It's finished. We're waiting with the words it is finished. Not, I need to finish the course or I need to finish the race. Right? It's finished, and that's how we wait. Which is very, what's the word? Very comforting, Right? Assured, right? Very assuring that your conscience is clear and good because there is no despair because Christ took that despair upon himself and said, you're good. You're holy and righteous uh, by my blood, right? So what a great picture of this gospel uh, that God has given to us. Um, Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like... Anyways, um, I always am, it's so profound, this gospel. Like, once you think you can get enough of it, you never got enough of it, you know? And, and that's the thing with the gospel. It's like, oh, I already know that. No, when you, when you say that, you really, <laughs> you really know that there is much more to be had with this gospel, um, and there you rest in it. Anyways, verse 1, verse 1, and someone could read that, verse 1. Okay, so uh, what's a shadow? Um, it's a, it's a, a shadow. Uh, oh, yeah, we're not in Washington, so it's we have sun. Reflection. Yeah, it's like a reflection, but it's a, a shadow is like when you're walking in the sun, what happens? You see a shadow, right? Uh, or the saying is, oh, he's, you know, when uh, your kid follows you all the time, he, he's like a shadow, right? They always, isn't that the idiom? Like, he's like your shadow, or I don't know. But the shadow is always contingent upon the? Oh, wow, that's deep. <laughs> Just like in the morning sermon, it's like, oh, if you're in a desert, everyone's like, you need water. I'm like, oh, that's right, you do. I totally forgot. <laughs> Anyways, um... Uh, that shadow is contingent on the object that makes that shadow. Shadows don't just float, float around randomly. No, if there's a tree, look, there's a shadow in the tree because 
The tree is the object of that shadow. Of course, there's Don would, of course, would say there's the sun. And that is, that is right, Don. Th- that is very right. But um, without the object, there is no shadow, even if there is the sun, right? So like any shadow, it, it needs an object and shadows are unable to be or work alone. The law does not work alone, right? It is a, it is a, uh, it shows us, and for them, shows us what they ought to do. And these were ordinances that they were to follow. But what does it say right there? It can never, right? By the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near, right? So when we talk about a shadow, the law is always, at the end of the day, uh, it always ends on the Gospel, sorry, and my G was hard to uh, see. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's always that gospel. It's Jesus Christ to which uh, uh, we see from the law to the gospel that uh, this is what uh, gives us that fulfillment, right? This is how we draw near uh, through the intercessor of Jesus Christ who covers us by his blood. And, and that's where our assurance is, right? Every single, every single day we live in this faith. So anyways... Um, all right, let us do, um, oh yeah, I forgot. Let's look at these notes. Um, the good things, right? Uh, what are the good things in your life? N- not too broad, but according to the scripture here, what are the good things that we're talking about here? What are the good things? Um, what are the good things? Anyone? That's right. Um, eternal life. That's a good thing. Uh, that God is always with you because of what he has done. That's a good thing. Uh, that he gives you all things uh, from your body, your soul, your daily bread to spiritual protection, all out of his mercy and divine goodness. That's a good thing, right? Um, that everything is contingent upon God and, and, and his word. That's a good thing. That your conscience is, is it mudd- muddied and marine layered? Like in San Luis Obispo in the morning, <laughs> or Salinas, Monterey, when it's all, is, is that how your conscience is, cloudy? No, it's, it's clear and bright, all by the, the, the dawning of the new day in our Lord and Savior's resurrection, right? And this is the picture of your conscience. Those are the good things. Repeated sacrifices couldn't give them these good things. And that's why, as you have your faith, uh, this is your faith, the good things that God has imparted to you by his very word, freely, by his grace. So again, um, yes, everyone is searching for perfection. Is that right? Well, fulfillment in this world. And even in world religion, it's always, every other world religion is about what? The pursuit of perfection. Like, you do the work. And if you, pursue it, if you pursue it enough and accomplish it, you will get there, right? What, what assurance do you have there with anyone who believes that? Is there assurance? Yeah, it all depends on how well you feel and we can never do enough. Because at the end of the day, we're, we have sin. And uh, that is the state of which we live. So th- this perfection is... Um, yeah, Hebrews 9.9. According to the sacrifices offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Right? Even the Old Testament sacrifice cannot perfect them. All right, 
Last one, verse 2. Verse 2. Okay, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshiper, uh, having once been cleansed, would no longer have a conscience... Or you said, what did you say right there, Nancy? No longer have felt guilty for their All right, all right. So, um, guilt. What is guilt? Not, I mean, in the, in the court of law, you know, not guilty. Guilt, what... Responsibility, okay, all right. Um, guilt. Um, what is the nature of guilt? It's negative. It's, like, oh. it's also a feeling, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, I know um, <laughs> when I ask questions, you're probably wondering, what is he trying to get at? That's always... He's not really asking the question. He just wants you to answer the way he, you know. Anyways, <laughs> I know people ask me that. I know, what are you trying to ask, Pastor? What, what, are, what are you getting at? So what am I getting at when I say that? Uh, what, what, is, what is the nature of guilt in a sense of? You're not doing what you need to do or you're not uh, living up to what, where you need to be. Yeah, that's right. Worry. Getting closer, warmer. So worry. Worry and anxiety over your own transgressions, of course. But what's missing in that when you're in that mode? Your focus on Christ and the fact that he's done it, that you can never do enough, that he has already done it for you. So when we're burdened by guilt, it is basically in that moment, we're terrorized by our own conscience in a sense of our own sin and guilt. And there in that darkness, um, there what we need is Christ. But yet without Christ... It is a very, very terrifying thing, right? So when we talk about the consciousness of our sin, yes, we are conscious, but we're not without a Savior. Now, if we're just trusting in the repeated sacrifices, their consciousness of sin is, is just overflowing with guilt. Like, have I done enough? We've got to repeat this over and over again. And hopefully, uh, uh, Lord willing, we'll do enough, right? And, and that's the, the difference here about guilt and what it means to be absolved. You know, when you hear the words of absolution on Sunday morning, there that means your guilt is no mas, right? That's finito, right? No more. Sorry, sorry. It's no more, right? It, it's finished. To tell us thy in Greek, right? It's finished. And that is, that is, that is uh, there where you are absolved and, and as you receive the gifts, you know, uh, of the word and the sacrament, this is where you very well know that, yeah, I, my sins are answered for, and my guilt is, my bones are no longer wasting away in my conscience because Christ has covered me. And, and that is why we hear this word of the once and for all sacrifice, because we know how, how guilt can destroy us, but yet Christ has overcome all things. Anyways, um, We'll talk about that more next week. I don't think we pinned on that too much enough this week. But next week, we'll start with verse 2 and following here. I know it's getting late. Uh, but why don't, we, um, why don't we close with a word of prayer? And dearly, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, bless us in Christ alone and through all things. We know that in your once and for all sacrifice, you have covered the multitude of our sins. We thank you, O Lord, for the comfort of conscience, uh, knowing full well that 
by, sprinkled by your blood, O Lord, uh, you, are, you are with us and that we are your children. Grant us great comfort this day, knowing full well that we, that we live in your redemption and in your resurrection. Lord, uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.